Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 133, what a busy week with the uh, transfer window. Um, we had, of course, an exciting week four watching clubs like Rio Ave uh, and Chaves defeat some of the clubs from the uh, big three. Um, we saw some deals that didn't happen, such as Ricardo Wart and Cristiano Ronaldo, but we see, did see deals like Arthur going from Estoril to Sporting, Samuel Portugal going from Portimonense. He had another deal between Portimonense and Porto. Um, and it was uh, just been a very, very busy week. But we have a busy week ahead of us. We've got Champions League football, that's right. Doesn't usually start this early in September, but with the World Cup coming up in November, it's moved up a few weeks. So we've got uh, Champions League football, which I'll talk about here in a minute, as well as Europa with incredible high-scoring Braga. Um, Benfica's playing great football, but you also have to really admire 17 goals for Braga, second best as I drop this podcast in Europe behind PSG. Uh, Braga has 17 goals, PSG has 18. And also I want to talk about this very strange situation with this Sport TV reporter that apparently asked the wrong question at the Flash interview, and she was subject to a... Um, to a disciplinary process, and that raised a lot of hell in Portugal between the government, the journalist union. There was talk of taking it to court, so I've got a few comments about that. But let's just start off first talking about reviewing last week for those that want to get a review and maybe didn't have a chance to see everything that happened last week because it was a very busy week four leading into week five. First off, we saw Chaves go to Sporting and beat them in Alvalade. I said last week, it's too bad that when you do podcasts, you can't Google things you said on the audio to be able to go back and uh, could see it, you know, confirm that you said it. But I said last week, if you're a regular listener, I said, be careful with Shavs. Stubborn. They are very tough in the first division. You know, occasionally they'll have a really bad year and they'll go down. But whenever they play well, they're tough. They're stubborn. And they did that. And they went to play a sporting team that I'm afraid to say is not as good as a lot of sporting fans think right now. I think some of the moves they've made has hurt them. And again, I talked about this two episodes ago. Another thing I discussed before things have really started to head in that uh, direction. But a big result for Shavs, seven points. Steven Victoria, the Canadian international, um, fantastic uh, goal. Um, and at the end of the day, Shavs walks away with the three points in Alvalade. We saw Riuav. Well, that was probably the surprise of the weekend, taking on Porto. Riuav with the very big win in Vila do Conde in front of their own fans. Porto right now is kind of warm. You can't say they're, I mean, they're, they, they put together a lot of good results. You know, we know already that, uh, you know, they won the uh, Super Cup. But we all, talking to Porto fans, and because of the disappointment in the transfer market, everybody realizes there's something missing. And a lot of people aren't happy about the transfer window. You know, they got a goalkeeper. They didn't get the midfielder they wanted. Um, just a lot of strange things. But uh, Riwav, newly promoted, back after spending a year in the second division, pull off the uh, surprise. And right now, if you cannot be happy if you're sporting. You cannot be happy if you're Porto, uh, although you'd be more worried about sporting. 
And like I said, sporting is worse. And this is the first big crisis for Ruben Amarin as a manager. Um, he's had it very well. If you remember his first season when they won, I talked about it. Other people talked about it. A lot of people got upset about the fact that a lot of the younger players were playing a lot of those empty stadiums during you know the, the heydays of the pandemic when they weren't allowing fans. It was that an advantage. Last year, they were tough. They played in front of fans, but they had a good year, but Porto was better. And now that they've sold some players, Amarin sometimes takes the blame. You know, he says that he just didn't plan well, but in all fairness to him, he's also admitted it. He's been caught off guard, especially with the Mateus Nunes uh, move. But big-time results last week for Shavs and Riwav. Disappointing results for Porto and uh, Sporting. Uh, Porto Munanza is off to a great start with uh, nine points, although they did lose their goalkeeper, who's a very good goalkeeper in Portugal, made a big save uh, last week. And uh, Porto Munanza with uh, nine points. Um, and then, of course, we also saw Braga. Braga is fantastic. 17 goals, like I said. And now, and I'll talk about this later, what happens with Ricardo Horta and Malaga? Uh, Malaga is not going to be happy, 66%. There were offers made to, uh, to uh, Braga for Ricardo Horta. Is that going to get into legal courts? Could be. Um, I don't know. Again, nobody. The agent, the club, and the player really knows what the deal is with this thing. And Malaga has threatened, so they feel they have a case. We'll see if, in fact, that does happen. But if you're a Braga fan, you got to be happy. Your team is stronger with Ricardo Huerta. You guys are scoring a lot of goals. And you just got to be very happy because Braga right now, sporting get nervous because Braga right now is the third best team in Portugal. And if they continue this way, they have a shot at second place. I still think they're going to do no better than third. I said that they were going to jump ahead of one of the big three, and look what happened. They've managed to do it against Sporting, who has lost eight points. But a big time of really big-time performances so far. Simon Banza leads the league with five goals. What a pickup from Familia Cone. What a pickup. I mean, incredible. How is he not playing for one of the big three? I mean, how, how do they, you know, everybody knew about him. But this would have solved a lot of problems for some of these uh, Portuguese clubs. Back in the old days, in like the 90s and the 2000s, especially when I started PortugueseSoccer.com, a lot of these smaller clubs always brought these big players. Uh, you know, they started off at a smaller club. They were a smaller player. They came to a big club. They became a big player. That was the formula. And then they would sell them big. But I just feel like in this case, they've kind of let one slip by. And uh, I think, you know, you look at Silva, Andre Silva, of uh, Vitoria Guimarães. That's another example of a player that got away. I mean, he's at Guimarães, a big club, but obviously not as big as the big three. Uh, bad results so far for Pastros de Freire and Maritimo. They have zero, nothing, donuts, zero. Uh, rumors are Daniel Ramos, who was managing Santa Clara last year, and they struggled a little bit with him, but he left to take a big offer, if I recall, in the Middle East. Uh, he's back in the rumor mill, possibly replacing Vasco Siabra at Maritimo. Hasn't happened yet. Maritimo may wait another week, but that's in the rumor mill. And you also have to wonder, that could also be the case um, with Passos. Uh, Cesar Peixoto, not very happy with the PK called against his team in their last match against Benfica on Tuesday. But Daniel Ramos is available, and uh, you see what happens with any of these two teams. Samaris, back in Portugal, in the Vila de Conto, Rio Ave. 
Of course, seven years with Benfica, went away for a year to play with Fortuna, Sittard in Holland, and now he's back in Portugal, and uh, he'll help them. He's going to help them a lot. I really believe that. Uh, young, Eng young, I think he's a Scottish player. Uh, I actually talked about him a month ago on my podcast. Um, Owen Beck was loaned uh, to Familia Kong by Liverpool. Didn't really play a lot. He goes back to England. And now Liverpool is sending him on loan to Bolton Wanderers. So I had talked about how it would be nice to see some of these younger players come from, uh, you know, England or Spain and play in Portugal like we see with uh, Diego Lanza, the Mexican with Braga. But uh, this one apparently didn't work out. He didn't even really get a lot of playing time from what I could tell. So a pretty big disappointment there. And then to wrap up last week's review, really you got to talk about the situation that happened with Sport TV and the journalists. So on Saturday, uh, in the post-match flash interview, and that's when uh, the players and the managers walk off the pitch. They usually grab a manager and a player, and they do a very quick interview on the pitch or in the tunnel for Sport TV. Sport TV is the rights holders. They pay these clubs millions of dollars. And it's one of the benefits when you spend that much money that you get the very first interview before they go into the post-match press conference, and then anyone could ask them a question. But a reporter, she asked Ruben Amarin about the Slomani situation because of what Slomani said. And apparently, you're not supposed to do that during the flash interviews. That's a question that's supposed to be asked in the press conference. Flash interview is solely for what happens, the 90 minutes that just finished plus stoppage time on the pitch. She asked a question outside of that. And then apparently out of the blue... On uh, Wednesday, the Federation's Disciplinary Council announces that they're going to start a disciplinary process to evaluate what happened and see if it was worthy of some type of punishment. I don't know what that punishment would be. I mean, you're talking about sport TV. That, that That's the hand that feeds you all that TV money. On the other hand, maybe there was an agreement and it was broke. You know, maybe they shouldn't have asked that question. They could have asked it later at the press conference. Well, as you can imagine, the journalist union... Journalists throughout Portugal were upset. Even the Portuguese government, one of the big people, got involved saying that this was a very big concern for freedom of speech. And, you know, you sometimes wonder about the disciplinary council because I, I've always said, and again, I'm not, it's, it's the, the, the disciplinary council is with the federation, but I don't know the connection of there because. I have been very complimentary about the Federation. The marketing that they do with all the talent we have at the Sailor Song is unbelievable. They sell a lot of tickets wherever they go. They sell a lot of merchandise. They do a great job. But when it comes to the Disciplinary Council, it just leaves you scratching your head wondering what's going on. Case in point, two weeks ago, Fabio Quintron, who's been retired for a year, they announced that he's going to be suspended, I think, one match and fined even though they realized he was retired, they still went ahead and did it. Probably because if he ever comes back into the business being a manager or an agent or whatever, he could probably still serve the fine, is, is how I believe I'm interpreting this. Um, but a lot of people shook their heads that someone that retired over a year ago did something toward the end days at Rio Ave when he was, you know, when Fabio Quintron was with Rio Ave. And they do that. And nobody wonders when you announce something like that how that looks. Uh, we've had situations in the past where I think teams are fine because of the ball boys not throwing the balls in. Some would say that's legit, but still, that's kind of awkward. I've never heard about that in any other league. And then you have this situation where you're asking a reporter, 
And again, the reporter is not talking about politics, not talking about domestic issues that affect people every day. You know, she's there to talk about football, soccer. But obviously, when they decide to process that and do a disciplinary process to evaluate it, it upset a lot of people. Freedom of speech. Um, it was big news. It let off the news in some of the items, especially on the radio. The, uh, the news reports that come out every hour. Well, they backtracked today. They said that they're going to think about it in relation to was this question asked? Was it asked? Was, did it break a rule or an agreement in terms of how it is agreed to do the flash interview as opposed to looking at someone for disciplinary reasons? And the Federation, yes, they defended themselves saying, well, you know, there was a rule broken and we have to look into it. But does anybody pay attention? To think that when you make this decision and you go ahead and you announce it, does anyone not think that it's going to cause controversy? I mean, you're not talking about a player. You're not talking about a manager. You're not talking about the sports director, the assistant coach, the massagist, the conditioning coach. You're talking about someone that's got nothing whatsoever to do with the teams directly. He doesn't even get paid by the teams. He gets paid by the TV outlet. Well, the situation's been resolved. They're going to look at the situation differently and see if a rule was broken. And But... They should have had a private, closed-door conversation okay, with Sport TV and expressed their disappointment. I think that one of the reports said it was a sporting delegate that brought it to the complaint to the attention or something like that. Um, that was the situation, and not very pretty. Uh, I even saw some reports about it in places that I don't like to see, negative Portuguese news about you know, soccer and was a, was a, was a player censored or, or you know, somebody with TV censored. You got to be smart. Somebody, when they make these decisions, needs to run it past a few people and say, hey, we're planning on doing this. What do you think? You think people are going to react the wrong way to this? You know, and I don't know who. They could ask the public relations department. They could certainly ask the president. I mean, that's the president of the federation. Um, and there's a lot of smart people, by the way, at the federation. They could ask someone to get their opinion. But based on the reaction and the fact that they did it and then they got this reaction, it was just a very poor decision. Now, should this reporter have just stuck to the question? Probably. Yes, I think so. But at the end of the day, um, they the way they went about it just wasn't uh, very good. So that's a, a very big thing. Uh, coming up this week, of course, we've got the Champions League in Europa coming up. We've got Benfica on Tuesday at home against Macaba Haifa. That's at 2,000 hours. You've got uh, Frankfurt versus Sporting on Wednesday, and you got Atletico Madrid versus FC Porto also on Wednesday. Sporting's playing at 17.45. Porto on Wednesday's playing at 2,000 hours. And then on Thursday, you've got Malmo Braga. And a quick review, Benfica's been fantastic. If they're going to win their group, they got to beat Juventus. Okay? But in order to do that, to make that important, they've also got to make sure that they beat Maccabi Hafia in the two matches. They can't afford to draw and lose points. We all know that PSG is the LV overwhelming favorite to win this group. So as a result, they've got to do what they've got to do to get the three points here. Benfica's playing fantastic football. They haven't lost. Everybody, you know, they got Gonzalo Ramos didn't leave. They got Henrique Raju coming off the bench whenever they need him. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about them in a minute. But they are doing very, very well. Uh, undefeated after four matches in the Liga, the only team, uh, only them and Braga haven't... Um, Lost, although Braga has a, a draw. Um, but basically, this is a team that's firing on all cylinders, and Roger Schmidt is pressing all the right buttons. Um, they've just been fantastic. They've just been really very good so far, and you've got to be very happy, especially with some of the moves they did on transfer deadline day. 
Sporting is going to Frankfurt. Um, Frankfurt may not be the same Frankfurt as last year that won the Europa League, which is how they're in the Champions League. Frankfurt has a major following. Wait till they come to Portugal. They are still a team that won the Europa uh, or you know competed in the Europa last year. Excuse me. Um, but uh, you know this is a team. Actually, excuse me, Europa Conference. Uh, no, they won Europa. Excuse me, it was Mourinho's team, Roma that won the Europa Conference League. But this is a very, very strong team that Sporting's got to be very careful. Sporting's not in great form. They're going to be playing Friday night by around the time that this podcast is going to drop. Something goes wrong in Estoril, they're going to be in very big trouble. But Sporting right now, you have to, if you're a Sporting fan, based on what you're seeing, you got to hope that they finish no worse than third in their uh, group. Uh, Atletico Madrid-Porto, again, two teams that played each other last year. Porto is not as strong as Atletico, and they, I think they're still a little bit weaker than last year. But nevertheless, this is a Porto team that knows because Porto's 11, even if the bench is a little bit, Porto's 11 is still very, very strong, and I think they'll do very well. Uh, I'm not going to do predictions because um, it's just not fun, but uh, I think for me, if you're asking me, I think Benfica should win. Sporting should seek to get a draw, and if you're Porto, you should seek to get a draw at the Wanda in Madrid. Malmo, Braga. Braga, if they play the way they've been playing, there's no reason why they can't win the Europa group going out to play Malmo in uh, Sweden. A very big club there in uh, Sweden. Braga is just... Arthur George is just pressing all the right buttons. And uh, he keeps this up. He'll have an opportunity to move to a bigger club next summer. And he has just been really, very fantastic. Uh, week four, a preview uh, week five preview, excuse me. Obviously, things get going on Friday because of European competition. Next week, we got Benfica, Vizela, back in the luge again. Benfica consistently getting crowds of over 50,000. You got Estoril at home to Sporting. So just when Sporting needs to get a good result, what do they got to do? They got to make the short trip to Estoril, which won't be easy with Vidisimu. Vidisimu knows how to beat uh, to beat um, you know Sporting. He did it last year. He went to Alvalade. That pretty much eliminated uh, Sporting from winning the Liga last year and handed it to Porto. Verissimo, you know, is going to want to steal those three points with Estoril. You got Saturday. Uh, you got Braga Guimarães. This was initially supposed to be at 1,800 hours. They moved it up to 1,530 because of security concerns. It's also good for Braga because they're playing on Thursday in the uh, Europa League, so it gives them a little bit of a rest. But, hey, Antonio Salvador, the president of Braga, has always loved those mid-afternoon matches. He hates playing in the evening, especially on Sunday nights. Let me tell you, Braga Gimenez, I'm very curious to see the attendance at this game. Um, I'm really at the quarry. I'm very interested to see. And then you also have on, uh, sun, on Saturday night, and not very easy for Porto either, Gil Vicente versus Porto. That's going to be a very good result. Porto's going to look to bounce back, but again, Porto's got to go on the road. Sunday, the best team in the Liga, Casapia, with only one goal allowed. Amazing. Gazepia will be at home against the Roca, who got beat up pretty bad last week by Braga, 6-0. Santa Clara will be at home to Meritimu. Santa Clara really struggling. They only have one point. Meritimu has zero. So it's the battle for points here. And, of course, um, Santa Clara, Meritimu. So Meritimu making the trip from one island to the other uh, to uh, play this uh, match. And then wrapping it up uh, for the second uh, Sunday in a row, Purtimunens gets the last match. They'll be at home to Fama. And then on Monday, we have two matches. You've got Boavista against Passos de Ferreira. Again, no points. Boavista having a decent year, although they dropped their last two matches. And then, of course, you've got surprising shop. How about this? The two teams that did so well last week, 
Shavs versus Rio Ave are going to play each other this weekend on Monday night. So how about that working out well? That the two teams that pulled off for surprise, you know, they come back. Second division report. Hey, it's all about Moreirense, the team that uh, was relegated last year. Tw four matches, twelve points. They have been particularly impressive. Ten goals, only three allowed. Vila Fracans is in second place. Uh, everything gets off on Sunday. You got Benfica B versus Leixões. Moreirense is playing Oliveirense. And that's two of the four matches on Saturday. You've also got FC Porto B at home to Vila Frequence, second place Vila Frequence. You got four more matches on Sunday uh, of interest, the Penafial Trofense. You got Nacional against Bisad, who announced the new manager this uh, this past week. Actually, a few hours before their match last week, they announced Nadinho as their new manager. And then on Monday, it all wraps up with Tundela at home to Estrela Amadura. Um, to me, the best match... Of the second division this upcoming weekend, I think to me, um, it's probably got to be, I mean, you look at Moray Lance, you look at Ferenc, Mafra. I like the, probably the best match for me is FC Porto B, fifth place, taking on second place Vila Frequence. I think those are the ones. Um, Ferenc from the Algarve is playing Covilla. That's probably, that's a pretty good match too. But I think for me, you've got to go with, um, you know, to me, the, the best match is probably FC Porto B versus uh, Fila Frikens, fifth place uh, versus uh, second place. And, uh, you know, those are to me. Uh, but that wraps up uh, part one. Coming up next, talking a little bit about rumors. Two best Portuguese players to look out for. Uh, big three report, as well as the international report. Coming up next. <laughs> Part two of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. Welcome back. Let's start off first with a transfer report, the final transfer report, although I do think there's a few countries that still are open. So technically, Portuguese players could still leave, but for the most part, it's pretty much done throughout most of Europe. Obviously, the two things to talk about is, number one, Ricardo Huerta. How many stories were written about Ricardo Huerta and Benfica? We even saw a video of him apparently saying goodbye to the Braga fans after one of their home matches. We saw a story that he would threaten action if he wasn't sold. We saw stories that he told Antonio Salvador that he wanted to be sold. Um, and at the end of the day, here he is in his prime of his career. And look, he's playing for a good club, Braga, that's got a chance to make some history this season. But everybody wants to play for a big club in their life. That's just the honest truth. And even though he's a legend, absolute legend, you know, he's, he has scored 94 goals for Braga. He's their all-time leading scorer in Liga. I don't think this is the ending that he would have wanted. I think he would have wanted by now to be uh, moving on to Lisbon. What happens now, Malaga knows there were offers made. They were entitled to 66%. In my opinion, it depends on what's in the contract. If the contract says they needed to take a certain offer over a certain amount of money, then obviously Braga's, you know, going to be subjected to some action. Um, but at the end of the day, I really believe that Antonio Salvador knows what he's doing. And I would think that if he had to sell them to avoid paying a penalty, because no one wants to pay a penalty unless they're getting something in return, um, I would think he knows what he's doing. And he's obviously not, I believe he's an entrepreneur in real life. I think he's in construction. This is somebody that knows how to do deal with a lot of money. I would think he knows what he's doing, but we'll find out. We'll see if uh, Malaga decides to take any action. But that was a surprise, and that only makes Braga stronger. But we'll see. I mean, Ricardo Orta had a very big week last week, you know, scoring, uh, you know, a brace. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens this week. And then obviously the other big one 
He's staying for Thursday night football, and that's Cristiano Ronaldo. So, obviously, there was a lot written about him in sporting, a lot of uh, sporting uh, fans, a lot of sporting social media accounts, uh, unofficial. Um, were really trying to make, um, you know, trying to, you know, there were stories about it. But obviously, it was much to do about nothing. It was pretty much false because had he wanted to play Champions League football, he, he would have had that opportunity. But he obviously doesn't want to come back to Portugal, which is, by the way, what happens with a lot of people. When they leave Portugal and they have an opportunity to make, you know, and play in a bigger league, you know, they're going to do that. But it's disappointing. But at the end of the day, Cristiano, I think his name has taken a beating these last few weeks. I think Cristiano needs to get back to what he does, and that is scoring goals. If he scores as many goals as he did last year, that would be a big boost. Hey, maybe they make a move. Somebody makes a move for him in January. But you know what? If I'm Cristiano, um, let's let's do what we can to help you know Manchester United in the Europa League, and let's just take it from there. I think that's the best way to uh, proceed. But we'll see. Uh, supposedly, some people behind the scenes weren't happy with him. He obviously wanted to be somewhere else. But now he's still, look, he's still at Manchester United, one of the biggest clubs in the world, one of the richest clubs in the world. Make the best of it and make sure that you don't, your name doesn't get sullied by the fact that you were thinking about uh, leaving. But that was uh, very surprising. And obviously we saw a lot of moves. Sporting got Arthur Gomes from Estoril. That was announced a little bit after midnight. Um, we saw, um, you know, Ruben Neves. You know, in terms of international players abroad, Ruben Neves is staying with Wolves. We saw Bernardo Silva was staying. We saw something very strange, and we saw Geni Katamo. He had been leaked for a long time, going from Sporting to Vitoria Guimarães. That didn't happen. Then he was linked on the same day going to Vizela. That didn't happen. And at the end of the day, he winds up going um, to Madeira. So I don't know how that worked with his agents, how there were literally two clubs that he was set to go to based on reports by the pundits that report these things. And then at the end of the day, he winds up instead going to Moritimu in an absolute about face. Uh, but that's just the way these uh, things work. Uh, we saw a lot of things. We saw Benfica getting Draxler. That was a big surprise, but he's going to help them. Obviously, I think Roger Schmidt had a hand in that, being German. Uh, we saw Benfica basically also getting the American defender, uh, John Brooks. Uh, very good player with Wolfsburg in the U.S. national team. I think considering all the injuries they have with Morato, uh, João Victor, and Verissimo, I think this is a great pickup. It's, he's free. Uh, he's got international experience. He's my. I, I, I got to be honest with you, I don't know if he's still a big part of the pool with the U.S. national team. I believe he is. But this is under the circumstances of what they could find and the fact that they're only going to be paying him a salary and not necessarily a fee this is a pretty darn good move by uh, Benfica to uh, get him. Um, but there was also a lot of strangeness. Uh, apparently, Fran Navarro of Gil Vicente could have been a player that Sporting could have used. They decided not to go for him. Uh, apparently, Amarin, a reported by Pedro Sopoveda, said that Amarin wasn't interested. That came as a surprise. Uh, Por Porto, they went after a goalkeeper, Samuel Portugal. Um, is he replacing Marchesin? Or is he being brought in in case they sell Diego Costa in the near future? Legitimate question to ask. But they did not get the midfielder they want. And again, they've made some money with Fabio Vieira, with Vitinha. You know, they probably could have gotten rid of Bruno Costa, and they didn't. Uh, it just goes to show you again, something more is going on there because, you know, they, they didn't go after Andre Almeida when they had a shot. Um, and he winds up going to Valencia. There's something going on there with Porto. Maybe the 
issues behind the scenes are bigger than what most people know, but it was just a surprise they didn't get a midfielder. And a lot of Porto fans were upset because when they announced Samuel Portugal, a lot of people on social media like, where is our midfielder? And they, there was no answer uh, to that. So that was your transfer rumor. A very busy time. Um, you know, now it's all about the Liga. It's all about worrying about the World Cup. And then once you get to late October, that's when the agents start up again with the rumors. And then we see who's the next big player to uh, make a move from Portugal. But right now, the next two months is about creating the new stars and the new stars that will possibly be moving on. And we're going to find out who that is in the next few weeks. But when we talk about young stars, I said I would pick two every episode. Um, I've made some great choices. Um, you know, when I look at all these, you know, Jota Silva, you know, I talked about Andre Almeida. Um, you know, I've talked about a lot of players that have been fantastic. And to me, the two players to talk about uh, when you talk about uh, young players, first off, Benfica's Antonio Silva, center back, 18 years old, gets the start against Boavista. Okay, seven minutes into the match in Bessa, he picks up a yellow. Here he is, pressure. He was calm, collected the rest of the match. He did his job. Roger Schmidt complimented him in the post-match press conference. And at the end of the day, the kid did very well. And, you know, he's a Benfica product all the way through. Nobody else owns his percentage. This kid has a chance to be a really big deal in, in center back. Um, right now, it's just him and Otamendi, and now they brought in uh, Brooks. But uh, this is a kid. He was uh, born in Viseu. A lot of talent comes from uh, Viseu. Uh, he's with mostly with Benfica B, but he did make his appearance this past weekend. I think he'll probably may get to start again on Friday. Uh, we'll see when uh, they open up against uh, Vizela. Uh, again, busy week for Benfica with three matches between uh, Saturday and uh, Friday. And then the other one is also a Benfica prospect, but he's on loan at Estoril, and that is 21-year-old uh, Thiago Guveia. Uh, one goal and one assist. I mentioned him here because he had a beautiful goal last week, left-footed shot. I was watching... Uh, the weekly review that uh, Nino Torres does on Gold TV, and I was like, "Wow, look at that! You know, look at that! Uh, a great talent. He's from Lisbon. Obviously, 47 matches for Benfica B, 12 goals. They decided to give him first team action, and he went to Estoril, where obviously he's going to Estoril, where Verissimo is. Verissimo knows about Benfica B. He managed them at Benfica B, so this is working out perfectly. A very smart move for Thiago Gouveia. And as a result, um, this is a very smart move, and I think he's... So these are the two players to watch. Antonio Silva, young 18-year-old Benfica center back, and, of course, 21-year-old Thiago Gouveia, who's on loan to Estoril. These are the players, uh, especially Thiago Gouveia. I think he has a chance to be a very big-time player and get a starting spot on Benfica next season. But those are your players. Let's go with the Big 3 report uh, as we continue to move on here. Uh, sporting again. This is not the sporting of two years ago. This is actually half the sporting team of two years ago in terms of potential. Not as good as last year's team. And for the first time, Ruben Amarin is facing a crisis. And I said last year that as soon as they faced their first crisis, I wanted to see how they would react. And they didn't react well enough because Porto eventually took over and won. This year, they're facing a bigger crisis. And now they find themselves having lost eight points in their first four matches. Uh, Ruben Amarin, he looks frustrated at press conferences. Um, he is, you know, he's had it good, and now he's getting it bad. And it'd be curious to see how he's going to be tested. Um, you know, all the great managers like Jose Mourinho, he was at Leiria. He had some good times. He had some bad times. 
you know, he was at Benfica for a very short time. He had some good times. He had some bad times. You, you mature as a manager, and then you become what you become. I'd be very curious to see how Ruben Emery comes out of this because if they continue to have issues and they continue to play very poorly, especially in the Champions League where you need that money, be very curious to see where Ruben Emery I don't think his job is threatened, not by any means. But the glow of possibly being a manager to move to a big club in the future. Remember, supposedly there was rumors of him and PSG. But uh, so that was interesting. Uh, Coops renewed until 2024. Fantastic player. Um, last week he, you know, they pushed him up to play a little bit of forward. But that's what happens again. That's that's the sporting of today. You got to do things like that because you know they don't have a Sarabia up there. You know they've got all these players. You know they have Mateus Nunez. You know Mateus Nunez. What a goal he scored in his last match for Sporting. They don't got nobody that can do that type of goal. So you've got to do stuff like that. Um, but that was a very big move, and uh, again, um, <clears throat> Federico Vrandes gave the squad, and especially Amarin, um, a voter confidence. I don't think it was necessary, but a big time. It's a big. T it's a big match against Estoril, and it's a big match against Frankfurt because eventually, Sporting fans are not going to be happy anymore, and they're going to get upset. Um, it's only a matter of time. So this is a big thing. Uh, Porto. Um, they have won 33 of 35 matches after a loss, according to the Ojogo. We'll see how they uh, respond. Again, we talked about Samuel uh, Portugal. Why didn't they sign a midfielder? Again, I think it's got something to do, in my opinion, not to say that I know for sure, but they had some money to, to spend on an Andre Almeida, but they didn't. Um, and look, Song has to, you know, he's got, he's got to deal with what he has right now. And, you know, they still got good players. I mean, Danny Loder could score some goals for them. I think he could do very, very well. Uh, but Porto right now, you know, Benfica hot, sporting cold, Porto warm. And if Porto's not careful, because I think they play Braga in a few weeks, they can be in very serious trouble for uh, second place. So, again, you you know, sometimes when Porto loses, like my cousins from France, it's like the end of the world. They only lost one game. You know, they only lost one game. Um you know, Taremi played last week. He had gotten hurt the week before. Should he have played? Was he 100%? Obviously, they're not going to put him on the pitch if he's 100%. But after all, these are professionals, so they have to play through it. But Porto will be fine. Conceição has been here before. But because they didn't make as many big moves as they would have liked in the transfer market, especially in midfield, we'll see what happens. I think Gil Vicente's not going to be an easy match. They should win, but I wouldn't be surprised if they draw. I really would not be surprised. And then, of course, Benfica. By far the best team in the league. You know, again, let's not get too excited because they have in the last few years started off winning the first four league of matches with uh, JJ, and then we saw what happened in uh, December. But Mafika looks good. The players like to play. João Mario looks like a different player with uh, Schmidt. We obviously know about Gonzalo Ramos. Great moves, bringing in Draxler. Um, you know, Yarmachuk sold him to Bruges in Belgium. John Brooks is a good pickup. Weigel. Bit of a disappointment in my opinion. He was supposed to be like big, big German player um, that would have come here and then be sold in a few years for like 50 million. Well, that never happened. But he leaves uh, and, and um, he basically goes to a club in Germany that has a $15 million option to buy him. You know what Benfica is going to want them to buy him. Um, Andrea Meira and Tarat are both staying. Um, they're not going anywhere, probably because nobody wanted them or at least their salaries. Andre Almeida, whether you like him or not, is 100% a Benfica player. He's been on the team a very long time. If anything, that Benfica influence in the locker room 
of what it's like to be playing for Benfica could be a good thing that he could spread to other players. If I'm Andre Almeida, maybe I know I'm not going to play a lot. Maybe this is the time to start thinking about my next career. Maybe go, you know, maybe think about contributing to the club in other ways that isn't necessarily on the pitch. But Benfica right now looks good. They need to be Maccabi Hafia big time on Tuesday. And they then you know what? If they win by three or four goals, that would be fantastic. But if they don't and they struggle. Then maybe when you know we may not have a harder time than we think Benfica qualifying out of the uh, Champions League groups into the knockup stage, but we'll see. Braga, uh, you know I always said fourth place Braga. I said that last year, fourth place Braga. But you know what? Now I'm saying third place Braga because Braga just took one big step. Uh, second best goals, 17 goals in the league are the best. Uh, PSG going into um, Thursday has the best in uh, Europe with 18 goals. Orta, 94 uh, goals in his career, the most in Liga. He sets the Braga record. But he's staying. Will he be motivated? I think he will. Um, but you know what? If I'm Orta and I see what's going on here, I'm telling you right now, man, just play hard if you want an opportunity to move on in uh, January. Um, you know, Malaga, we'll see what happens with them. Um, Vitinha, you know, they got all these players. They got the Mexican Diego Lanez, who also scored his first goal last week. He didn't score a whole lot when he was in Spain. Salvador is very big on him. Arthur George doing a great job. I can tell you right now that all of Minu, uh, maybe not necessarily in the Guimarães area, but all of Minu, I remember when Braga finished second with Domingos Paciencia many years ago, the year they went to the Europa final to play Porto. Uh, and by the way, again, there was a Portuguese Europa final between Braga and Porto like 11 years ago. How about that? But that year, I remember Braga, our local radio station, they used to talk about Braga a lot. They used to play Braga's fight song. Um... People get very excited if Braga can make a move, and I think that would be very good for Portuguese football. Of course, if Braga does well, that means the other big three, at least two of them, are probably doing bad. You know, that's not a good sign for the big three, but I think Portugal, with TV rights, needs to have exciting competition, and I think Braga is just playing terrific football. 6 nothing out of Roca. Wow. Um, they go, they're going to have a very busy this uh, weekend. Um, Braga's playing Guimarães. The big derby, the big menu derby, they're going to probably get maybe close to 30. We'll see, I hope. At least 25. That's a very, very uh, big match. Uh, quick roundup internationally. Mourinho, first place in Syria. Yes, it's early, but the special one was brought there to do some new things, and that's a new thing for Roma, even if it is a little bit early. Ricardo Suarez left in the preseason to go take a job in Egypt. I had mentioned that if he had stayed a week later, he probably would have gotten the Guimarães job. But now he is sacked. Don't be surprised to see him in the mix for the Meritimo and Pasu's jobs if they decide to make changes there. But Ricardo Suarez, um, almost two months, gets fired uh, by the Egyptian club Al-Halail. Um, it's a tough one. A tough one for a, you know, for a manager that was a rising star. And for him not to last too long, um, it's very tough. It's got to be very tough. Bernardo Silva stays with City. Uh, PSG apparently made a last-minute offer, but he wound up staying. Uh, Paulinha uh, going into the, um, well, as of Wednesday, he led the uh, Premier League with 26 tackles. So Paulinha is living up to the money that they bought for him. And got to give a shout-out to Nuno Tavares, who's doing a pretty nice job with Marseille. He scored a few goals. Uh, I was surprised he made the move from Arsenal to Marseille, but he's been doing a pretty good job. Marseille, uh, a very big club. Um, and uh, so... Pretty good for him. Um, one of the other, you know, one young, you know, I talk about like Jota at Celtic, you know, how players sometimes 
Um, well, you know, you know, like Andre Silva wasn't good at AC Milan, went to Germany with another club and just played better. That's just the way it works sometimes. Sometimes a brand new environment, a brand new place to wake up in the morning. Maybe your family's more comfortable in this new city. Stuff like that makes it all better for you. Uh, and by the way, yes, if you're a footballer and your family's not happy, yes, that does weigh on you and that doesn't help you play. I've spoken to some footballers who say that it's important that not only are they happy about the, you know, where they get transferred to, but that their family is too because, you know, the kids got to go to school there and all that. But uh, sometimes a player will go to a club. You never know how well he's going to do and just does very well. And Nuno Tavares is doing very well with Marseille, just like Jota is doing very well with Setuk. Sometimes it just clicks, and it's clicking for them. Anyway, folks, this has been a roundup of uh, basically week four to week five, Champions League football next week, Europa football next week. Uh, week five this weekend, looking forward. Uh, we've got uh, Sporting Benfica playing on Friday when this podcast drops. you got Braga Gimenez on uh, early uh, on Saturday. Uh, you got a big match with Porto on Saturday night at home to Gil Vicente. Um, hey, it's going to be another fun six or seven days coming up, and I'll be back here next week to talk about it. Folks, please take care of yourselves. Please take care of your family, and I'll talk to you soon. Ciao.